Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Giraffe's Eggs and Other African Tales. I am Elim Daini, your host, a teacher by day and storyteller by night. I am also the author of the West African fable, Giraffe's Eggs. Today's story is from the Ashanti Empire, what is known as today's Ghana. It is the story of Osei Tutu, who was a small state chief of Kumasi, who united all the separate Ashanti states to create a powerful empire that could fight back against the Dankiaras, their southern neighbors. This makes Osei Tutu Ashantehene, or king of all Ashantis, as he was the founder and the first king of the United Ashanti Empire. Interestingly enough, he is also the uncle of Ablapuku, queen of the Baule people, a splinter group of the Ashantis that can be found in modern-day Côte d'Ivoire. There is an episode on this podcast that retells her story and why she fled Kumasi to start her own queendom. Osei Tutu grew up at the Denkira court. It is unclear whether he was kidnapped at a young age and grew up there as a hostage, or if he was willingly given to the court during his formative years by his clan, the Oyokos. What we do know, however, is that the Ashantis were subdued by the Denkiras and had to pay tributes to them often. And so, Osei Tutu, although of noble blood, grew up under their rule. Growing up at the court, Osei Tutu was privy to seeing how business and politics was conducted in this palace. He had heard and seen visitors from all over the region giving tribute to the Dankira. He had witnessed executions and was familiar with the mighty leader of this powerful Akan state. All people, and even chiefs, were quite small in comparison to the imposing Ntim Diakari, the then Dankira Hene, ruler of the Dankiras. All except the messengers from Akwam. Yes, now they were respectful, but they were proud and never fearful. Hosei Tutu had noticed them from when he was quite young, there was something different about them. He admired their freedom, their boldness. There was something different about the people who came from Aquam. This strange land that he imagined flowed with everything he'd ever wanted. They were treated as equals when they came to trade. He had made many conversations with some of the young servants traveling with them, trying to understand where they came from, what was their home like. 
All of this, of course, away from the prying eyes of the court officers. Now this went on for years until one day, Osetutu began to consider the idea of being free himself, like the messengers from Akwamu. Now, none of his friends and acquaintances would hear a word of it. They were all under Dankira rule and all wished for freedom. However, the Dankira were unforgiving and they would punish him so severely should they so much hear of any rebellious talk. So his friends tried to talk him out of it and he stopped sharing his plans with his friends. But he carried on thinking, wondering what it would be like to be free like the Aquamus. After he had gotten a bit older, after months of intentionally and carefully studying the messengers from Aquamu, observing their ways and the route by which they went and came, asking around about their journeys, listening out for any types of landscapes that would be on the way, Osei Tutu began formulating an escape plan. When the time arrived, he was ready. He created a distraction to evade the guards and ran. He ran so far and so fast and continued to run eastward until he finally reached the powerful state of Aquam. Oh, the joy once he arrived. He was amazed at the people, how they conducted business, sat around the town's main area to discuss politics and current affairs. Every day after working to earn his dinner, Osei Tutu sat and listened to the men debating and talking about their powerful state. Even their women were business savvy. Osei Tutu was thus exposed to new ideas, but most importantly, to political and military organization. This time in Akwamu was to sow the seed in the young man's spirit. He decided that he would one day free his own state of Oyoko from the Dankiras. Many years passed, and after such a long time learning all he could and positioning himself as best he could as the leader of a growing group of men wanting to rise against the Dankiras, Osei Tutu decided to create another plan, a plan to unify all clans similar to his own via diplomacy. He exploited the Ashanti's mutual hatred for their oppressor to convince them to join forces to overthrow the Dankiras. He also used warfare against those who would not join him freely. He was firm in his decision to lead a rebellion. First, the union of all these Ashanti clans was spiritually represented by a symbol one that can still be seen today in the Ashanti Royal Palace in Kumasi, Ghana, West Africa. This symbol was the golden stool. 
Okunfo Anoke, who served as a priest chief and advisor to Usei Tutu, explained to all that the stool was the embodiment of the soul of the Ashanti people. Therefore, the guardian of the golden stool was to be known as the Ashantehene, king of all Ashanti people. The Ashantehene was to be the only one allowed to sit upon the golden stool because he would have been chosen by the ancestors. Then, Oseitutu chose Kumasi as the capital of the Ashanti Union. Now, Oseitutu was both Kumasi Hene and Ashanti Hene. The Odwera festival was inaugurated, established as an annual feast by all Ashanti member states to celebrate the birth and union of this new united nation. But despite all of this, Oseitutu still needed to defeat the mighty Dankiras. You see, the Dankira state dominated the trade with Europeans in western Ghana, while the Akwamu dominated trade with Europeans in eastern Ghana. This gave much strength and military aid to both groups to allow them to dominate their neighboring states, apart from each other, of course. So Oseitutu had to prepare himself. He formulated yet another plan, based on all his years in Akwamu and all that he had learned from the Akwamu leaders. He placed a strong emphasis on the military organization of the brand new Ashanti Union. Oseitutu sculpted the Union Army into an effective and efficient fighting unit. He and his advisor, Okumfo Anoki, forged the Ashanti Union to overthrow their common oppressor, the Dankiras. After a long and arduous battle against their opponent, the Ashantis finally came out victorious. Oh, how glorious was the day of celebration. Osei Tutu, first Ashantehene, defeater of the oppressor, the Dankiras. Unfortunately, Osei Tutu only witnessed a few short years of this great empire he created. In 1717, 
he waged war against the Achaean in order to expand the kingdom even further. At the onset of the struggle, he had underestimated the Achaean because they were few in number. It is reported that he even went into battle without his usual amulets and leaving some of his body armor back at Kumasi, his capital. One day, as he was crossing the river Pra in a canoe, he was struck by bullets from snipers and sharpshooters who were hiding in the dense tree line. Ashantehene, mighty king Osei the I, died minutes after being shot. His famous last words were, Anka minim ah. Regretting having underestimated the Akim, he said, If only I knew. To this day, the Guardian of the Golden Stool, like all previous Ashentehenes, is forbidden to cross the river Pra in honor of Osei Tutu I. Osei Tutu's united Ashanti Empire lasted from 1701 to 1957 in West Africa. Osei Tutu only witnessed about 16 years of this great empire, but he should be so proud of himself. His empire expanded throughout Ghana, as well as some parts of Ivory Coast and Togo. The Ashanti Empire has been extensively studied by Europeans and has more books written about it by primarily British authors than any indigenous culture in sub-Saharan Africa. Osei Tutu tripled the size of a small kingdom of Kumasi, which he had inherited from his uncle as the Akan, our matrilineal, the next in line in succession is the king's sister's son, so that's why Obiri Yeboah passed it on to his nephew, Osei Tutu. This young man used everything he learned and his observation skills to lay the foundation for a mighty empire that we still study and talk about today. There is a shrine in Anyimam that commemorates the birth of Osei Tutu. And a village chief once told the British curator, cultural historian, broadcaster and lecturer Gus Casey Hayford regarding Osei Tutu. He was more than a man. He was a messiah, brave, intelligent, someone who through almost force of will forged his country. He built a culture. It did not evolve. It was made by this great man. I really hope you enjoyed today's story and that you learned something new. I am Ellen Dainey, author of the West African fable Giraffe's Eggs, available on Amazon. Go to the show notes to find out how to get your own copy. If you like and would like to support this podcast, please share it on social media and directly to your friends who love folklore. Also, consider reviewing it on your favorite listening platform. It's completely free and it really helps the show get more visibility without spending much money on publicity. Well, anyway, this has been our story of the week. A bientôt les amis. See you soon, friends.